Can't wait. If you have your Bibles this morning, open them to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to take some time this morning individually and look at the scriptures ourselves. And so make sure your eyes are on the sacred text this morning. There's a Bible in front of you, perhaps, that you can grab or take a moment. Open your phone. If you Google Matthew 13, 44 through 46, you'll probably find something close to what we're looking at. This morning, I would love each of us to wrestle with our own faith. Where are we with the Lord? Is our faith real? Is it true? Is it transformational? And so this morning, I want to take a couple minutes, maybe just, it's a short passage, maybe just 60 seconds, and let's read this alone, on our own, just your eyes in the text. As you ask God, God, these two men encountered a great treasure. Is that how I feel about your kingdom? Did I have an encounter like this with your gospel, God? Is this passage describe me? So put your eyes on Matthew 13, 44 through 46. Read it, wrestle with it, and then I'll pray before we dive in. Take some time and read silently. Father, your son told us that your kingdom was of immense value. We confess today so often we put value on so many other things. And the kingdom of God, if it was a treasure, is a treasure that we keep hidden on a shelf somewhere and we forget its worth. We pray today that we would discover the true value of the kingdom of God. That the value that we discover would take a hold of our hearts and our minds. That the treasure of the kingdom, the treasure of the gospel, the treasure of Jesus would be so powerfully real to us that everything else in this world would pale in comparison. We pray that you would give us eyes to see where we stand with you this morning. Give us eyes to see if we value your kingdom the way that you've designed it to be valued, if we truly understand its worth. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We see in this text that the kingdom of God is of such immense value, and yet the lamentable truth is that there are billions of people around the world who who don't realize what it is worth. Jesus has been telling some parables in Matthew 13 explaining what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be like. 
He says the kingdom of heaven, this is how it's supposed to work, is that it's like a farmer who goes out and sows his seed. He scatters his seed. And what's supposed to happen is the seed of the gospel, the pure, beautiful treasure of the gospel, is supposed to land on hearts that are soft and ready to understand its worth. Jesus says the way it's supposed to work is that when the gospel lands on hearts like that, it begins to take root deeply and grow greatly. And so our lives are transformed from the inside out. We're supposed to be people that hear the gospel and it changes everything. And we start bearing fruit and planting seeds ourselves. And he says, so if the gospel takes root the way that it's supposed to take root, what happens is that one life transforms another life and another life and another life and another life and another life. So it's like a seed that's so small, but it grows to be the giant mustard tree in the field. It's just the little bacterium of yeast that is put into the flower and it's able to permeate throughout through its active nature that when the gospel takes root, it transforms everything. Everything about your life. And everything about this world, that someday the gospel will permeate every dark corner of every cul-de-sac and community and nation and people group and language in the whole earth. That's the way it's supposed to work, Jesus says. But as Jesus walks through these parables, he unfolds to his listeners that the way it's supposed to work is not the way that it always works. That the pure, beautiful gospel is supposed to land on hearts of soft soil, and yet so often, our hearts are hard. The gospel comes to a person who is not receptive at all, and so it just lands on it like asphalt. And the enemy comes and plucks the seed before it can take root. Now, some hearts are soft on top, but they're rocky underneath, and so the, the seed starts to grow, and its roots start to permeate the earth, but it can't get down through the rock below the soil, and so our plant starts to grow, our Christian faith starts to grow, but then the first time trials come, or the 71st time trials come, the roots have not developed, and so our plant withers and dies. Sometimes our soil is ripe to hear the gospel, but it's, it's ripe to hear a lot of other stuff too. And so the gospel comes and starts to take root and bear fruit in our lives. And, and yet the enemy is planting seeds as well, and culture is planting seeds as well, and the world is planting seeds as well, and our sinful nature is planting seeds as well. And so instead of being a soil that grows one plant of the gospel out of it, the soil of our heart starts growing a tree of the gospel alongside a tree of pride alongside a tree of a love of money, alongside a tree of sin we don't want to let go of. And this garden becomes a weed patch and it chokes out our faith and it dies. The gospel is supposed to land on a pure, unadulterated heart and it's supposed to transform it forever, but so often it doesn't. And so as we walk through these parables that Jesus is displaying, the question emerges, which soil is my heart? It's easy to look back and say, well, my my soil is the good soil. I'm a Christian. I, I prayed the prayer. I remember it. I walked the aisle. I can't forget it. I stumbled upon the truth. It's clear in my mind. I was seeking for answers, and I found it at the church. I'm a Christian And yet the scary thing is, when we look at these parables, we see that out of the four types of soils, 
three of them would call themselves Christian. We remember the moment where we received the word with joy and we started to grow. And Jesus says, one of the seeds, that happens, and then it gets choked out and it dies. If I asked in this room, how many of you would call yourself a Christian? I bet a thousand hands would go up. And yet when we look at the parable of the soils, just statistics would tell us that two out of those three hands are people that think they're Christians, but they're not. They had a moment where they heard the gospel and received it. They had a moment where their faith started to grow. They can look back at a season where their faith was explosive, and yet something happened, and it killed their faith. And now they've been sitting in church every week for the last 20 years, or two years, or 50 years. And their faith is dead. So these two parables that we read together this morning a few moments ago, are parables that I believe that Jesus brought out in the midst of all these parables. He changes gears. He stops talking about seeds for a moment. And he says, here are two parables to show what it looks like at a human scale when someone truly believes the gospel. This is what it feels like when a person receives the word and it's not just a flash in the pan. This is what it looks like when someone really gets it. And so that's why this morning when we look at the text, we need to ask God, does my life look like this? Because if it doesn't, there's a chance that the seed that's growing in us is not the seed that takes root and bears fruit and is gathered into eternity with the Father. But the seed that was planted in us is a seed that might wither and die because we never really got it. And we thought we were believers, but we're not. Let's listen as I read aloud these two parables this morning. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Have you ever stumbled upon something of great value? I remember the first time this happened to me, I was like four years old. And I was at Woodrow Woods Preschool, which was a cool place. And I remember I was just minding my own business, playing on the playground, walking through the tan bark, and my eyes caught something glimmering on the ground. And I went and I picked it up, and, and it was the most beautiful sticker <laughs> that any human being has ever seen. Right? It, honestly, right? It wasn't one of those, like, really thin stickers. Like, it was one of those kind of curved-on-the-edges thick ones. Remember those? And it had these, like, googly eyes on it, like a sticker with googly eyes, right? And so you'd shake it, and the eyes would, like, bounce all around. And, and I picked this thing up, and it had, like, dirt and hair on the back, right? But on the other side, it was beautiful. And I thought, okay, this is a great treasure, but it's not mine. I, I just found it. And so I, I went back to the yard duty or whatever they have in preschool, and I, I said, I found this sticker. 
right? In my mind, it must have fallen out of some rich kid's pocket or something, right? And I'm sure they want it back. And so I hand it over to the teacher, and, and she told me four words that I had never heard before, but I have never forgotten. She said this to me. She said, finders keepers. Losers, weepers. And she handed it back. It's crazy how treasure takes different forms as our lives grow and develop. If I found a sticker today, I'd probably tell my kids, no, 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 yucky, 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 yucky. No, no, ew, no, no, weep, weep, no, no, this is not good. I remember as I got older, I, I was probably 12, 11 years old, and I was uh, playing golf. This was the peak of my golf career. I was at the Marina Golf Course in San Leandro, and my dad and I left the pro shop. We were walking into the parking lot, and on the ground, in my mind, it might have been like a quarter, but in my mind, a $100 bill. And I'm like looking around like, finders, keepers, losers, weavers? <laughs> and yet I knew this didn't belong to me. This probably did fall out of some rich person's pocket, and so... I walked back into the pro shop, and I, and I told the guy, hey, I found this in the parking lot. Right? My dad probably said it. I didn't really talk to people. I, I found this in the parking lot, and, and the guy behind the desk said, you know, I'm going to put it in an envelope. I'm going to put your name on it. Call us in a couple weeks, and if no one's claimed it, it's yours. And I definitely called back and got my money, right? <laughs> different stages of life, we have different views of what is truly a treasure, And Jesus tells these parables that are very similar to one another. And he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like someone who encounters a treasure that they realized was immensely valuable. And so our minds look to that and we say, yeah, that's that's what happened to me. I remember the time that I found the gospel and it was valuable. I remember the hard moment in my life where I heard the words of truth for the first time and I realized how valuable the gospel was. I remember that moment where everything changed and I realized the gospel is valuable. I need to be saved from my sin. I need this new life. I need God. I need heaven. I need Jesus. I remember how valuable it was. And yet as we look at these parables, I think it's important for us to realize that There's more to these parables than someone just encountering a valuable treasure. These parables could have been a lot shorter, right? Jesus could have said, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. A man is walking through the woods and he stumbles upon a valuable treasure. And he picks it up and puts it in his pocket because he realized its worth. He could have said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man, a merchant, looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he bought it and added it to his collection because it was of great worth. And yet Jesus doesn't say that. There's more to it. When we look back at the parable of the soils, the three soils, those were three different soils. The one with the rocks, the one with the weeds, and the good soil. All of them were people who discovered a treasure, realized it was valuable, and held on to it for a while. But in these parables, Jesus says, the guy who really got it did more than just pick it up. In his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had 
and bought it. These parables are longer than just someone found a great treasure, picked it up, put it in their pocket, and said, yes! This parable says that the person who truly gets it, not the rocky soil, not the weedy soil, the good soil, the person who really gets it, he sees the treasure, he goes away, he sells everything he owns, and he acquires it. The way that we want the parable to go, this man comes and finds a treasure and adds it to his collection. But in both of these parables, the men walk into a situation, see a treasure, go home, get rid of everything, come back, get the treasure, and it's their only possession. The man who bought the field owned nothing but that field and that treasure. The man who bought that pearl owned nothing except that pearl because each of them sold everything to get it. This is the point where we start to get nervous. Is is Jesus saying that you can't be a Christian unless you sell everything? Uh, Is Jesus saying that the way to enter the kingdom of heaven is to sell all your possessions? I think if you're nervous about that, it's a good thing. Because God wants you to start wrestling through if you really have a faith that has transformed your life for real, or if you're just holding on to Jesus as another token in your trophy case. There's one thing that's different about the two parables. A lot of the, a lot of the things are similar. These are guys, they're going out, they find something valuable, they go back home, they liquidate everything, they take the cash, they buy it. Both the parables are almost identical with one major difference. The guy in the first parable is just minding his own business, walking along the road, and he stumbles upon a great treasure. The man in the second parable is actively seeking a great treasure. Did you notice that? First guy's just walking down the street. He sees something shiny in a field. He goes over, sure enough, it's treasure. And he realizes, I got to buy this field before someone realizes how valuable the property is. And so he covers it up, runs home, sells everything, buys the field, and then has this treasure he stumbled upon. The other guy is going out actively seeking pearls. He's a merchant of fine pearls. His whole life he's been looking for the pearl of great price that would be the perfect addition to his collection that he could add to his shop as an investment and sell and be set. And one day he finds in his seeking the most valuable pearl imaginable. And he realizes, if I could just get up enough capital to acquire this pearl, I'll be set for life because I've been seeking my whole life for this pearl. The reason it's important to realize the distinction between the two is that Jesus is showing that there are people who have sought out the gospel and there are people who have stumbled upon the gospel. And yet the problem is a lot of times what happens is we look back on the past, we look back at our testimony, and we say, 
The reason I know for sure I'm a Christian is because I stumbled upon the gospel. Right? I wasn't looking for it. I was just at work one day, minding my own business, and my coworker came and invited me to church. I was just coming to church, minding my own business, and then all of a sudden it's like the pastor was speaking directly to me. I was not looking for Jesus, but he found me. So that's how I know my faith is real. Other ones of us look back and we say, no, the reason I know my faith is real is because I was seeking for Jesus. I knew that there was an answer out there, and I tried all these different faith communities until I found Jesus, and so I know he's the right one. I was going through my life. I was seeking for answers. I wanted happiness and joy, and I couldn't find it. And finally, I found Jesus, and he gave me all that. I was seeking for answers, and I found them in Jesus. So the way I know my faith is real is because I was seeking it, then I found it. The problem with that is that when you look at the three seeds and only one of them is the real deal, the other two seeds, the people were either seeking or stumbling upon Jesus too. I watched the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago and there was that awkward part at the end with Peyton Manning. Did you see that? And they put a mic in his face and they said, what are you going to do next? And you're expecting, I'm going to Disneyland. And he's on the field and he says, he says I'm going to kiss my wife. I'm going to drink a heck of a lot of Budweiser. And I'm going to, what do you say? I'm going to say a prayer to the man upstairs or something. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then it got weirder because then he got up on the platform and they gave him another microphone. They said, what are you going to do now? He said, I'm going to kiss my wife. I'm going to drink a heck of a lot of Budweiser. And I'm going to say a prayer to the man upstairs. And I thought, did you script that? Like, that is the most awkward thing I've ever heard. And I don't know if Peyton Manning's a Christian or not. He's probably a great Christian, whatever. That's not my point. What, what happened afterwards is people started talking about the things that he said. And, and I read a blog yesterday where someone said, listen, we know for sure Peyton Manning is a Christian because he has a story of going to Sunday school with his brothers and he heard the gospel, he prayed the prayer, and now he's a believer. He has a testimony. So he's saved. Maybe he is. But maybe he's not. Right? The three seeds all have a testimony of when they prayed to receive Jesus, but only one of them's a Christian. Right? There's a chance that you had a moment in your life where you came on your knees and you accepted Jesus into your heart. You received the word with great joy and you started to grow. And then the trials of this world came and it choked out your faith and it died. Jesus says, that's the seed that landed on weedy soil. It's not real. You might have a testimony. You might have a memory of when you received Christ as Savior and it might be fake. Jesus says the way that you know is, is not did you stumble upon it or did you seek it. It's not that you had a testimony. He says it, these men sacrificed. There's a story in the New Testament of a man who had a lot of money. He was a young guy, a lot of power, and he comes to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments. He lists a few of them, you know, don't steal, don't lie, honor your mother and father. And the guy says, Jesus, I, I've obeyed all these things since I was a child. And Jesus says, one thing you lack, 
sell your possessions, give them to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And the gospel writers record that the man went away sad because he had great wealth. And we read that and we think, so do I need to sell everything to become a Christian? Is that the entrance fee? Right, I need to sacrifice and that makes me a Christian. And yet we know that's not true. Right? Jesus never told people to sacrifice anything except for that guy. He was not going around and saying, hey, leave this, leave that. If you do this, you'll be a Christian. It was the opposite, right? The story of Jesus was that he sacrificed everything so that we might freely enter the kingdom of God. And yet, what we do see time and time again in the scriptures is that when people truly put their faith in Jesus, they left everything. Whether he asked them to or not. But after the rich young ruler left Jesus' presence, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we left everything to follow you. <laughs> what do we get? Jesus says, I, I tell you the truth, anyone who has left homes, family, the world for my sake, well, those people will inherit that much more in eternal life. We look at the disciples and they all left their careers. They left their station. Some of them left their family. Some of them left their money on the table, literally, and they followed Jesus. He didn't ask them to. He just said, follow me. And they just forgot about the world, and they went after him. We look at the book of Acts, and we see that when people were transformed by Jesus, they realized that all the stuff they had in their hands could do great work in the kingdom of God. And so they sold their homes, liquidated their assets, brought the money to the apostles, and said, bring the kingdom forward with these resources. That's what it's for. There's something about uncovering, discovering, seeking and finding, stumbling upon a great treasure that when you find it, everything else goes black, and you just start selling everything for its cause. My wife and I, a couple weeks ago, we heard about a property that was going for sale. And we got a, a bunch of kids. I told you that last week. And, and so we're kind of looking for something a little bigger. Uh, and, and we heard about this property that had all its acres and stuff. We're like, that sounds great. We looked at it. It was more money than we had, but it was a great deal. And so we started talking about, man, if we could acquire this property, it's going to be worth way more than we pay for it. So we'll make money instantly and it'll set our family up for success. And so we started talking about what it would take to get it. We realized if we sold our house, we wouldn't have enough money. And so we started, okay, what else can we sell, right? What else, what else can we sell? And we, we liquidate our assets. We still don't have enough money. We cash out our retirement. We cash out everything. Then we would have enough money to get this property. And so we looked at each other and said, is it worth it? We decided, no. Now, if the property was of such immense value that it would have changed everything about our lives, that it would have been the perfect whatever, the answer would have been yes. But when we figured out what it would cost, we realized that's not a price we want to pay. It's not worth everything. It's worth something, but it's not worth everything. Jesus says people who truly believe in him people who have truly found the gospel, whose soil of their heart is rich, people who truly get it, they see the gospel and say, I don't know what that costs, but I'm willing to pay everything for it. And Jesus says, it's free. It's free. And so you step into it, you start following him, and along the way, you realize when needs arise, you just pay for them. 
When people have tangible needs, you give them things. When people have emotional needs, you sit with them. When people have kingdom needs, you provide their needs. You pray for folks. Your whole life begins to change, and you're letting go of everything and giving it towards the cause of the kingdom. Jesus says, that's how you know you really got it. It changed everything. If you look back at your life, if you are truly a believer in Jesus Christ, if that gospel has taken root in your heart and grown to bear fruit in your life, likely what you will see as you look back at your life is a history of sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. You're just going to see it. You're going to realize that you live in a much different place than you would have lived if you didn't follow Jesus. You look at your checking account and see the money that goes out to different organizations and the church and nonprofits. You'd realize, I'd have a whole lot more money if I wasn't a Christian. You look at the relationships you have. You look at the time that you'd spend. You look at your priorities and practices, the way that you talk to your kids, the way you talk to your neighbors, the way that you spend time with the Lord every day. And as you look back, you would say, man, my life would be way different if I wasn't a believer. Jesus has changed everything. And it's not like you came to church and a pastor said, give all your stuff away, and you did. But as you followed Jesus, every time he put, it, he put his words in your ear and said, let go of this, you did. Give this away, you did. Walk away from that sin, you did. Step into this practice, it'll help you, you did. Sign up for this class, you did. Because the treasure of the gospel is so valuable that when the king said, this will help my kingdom come forward. You said, in. You didn't say, what does it cost? And chances are you might look back at your life and not see a lot of sacrifice. And maybe you saw a season of vibrant faith, of sacrificial living, and then it just petered out and died. And if you came to me and you said that, I'd say, your life sounds more like the seed that was choked out or the seed that withered than the seed that grew. I think you prayed a prayer to receive Jesus, but it, it didn't really take root. I think you need to understand the treasure of the gospel and hand everything over to the one who transforms. Last week I had an opportunity to go and visit one of our congregation who was locked up in prison. I heard that he was there and it kind of blew my mind because this guy was like connected. He was worshiping, he was in community, he was in service, he was evangelizing, he was, he was in it, he was in the core of what we were doing. His life was being transformed and I was seeing it every Sunday and, and I heard he was locked up and so I went out and as I sit down, I don't know if you've ever been to prison, on either side of the glass, but it's not a good place. It's dirty and weird and scary and sterile and, and yucky at the same time. And, and I sat down in this metal chair and there's this big glass wall in front of me. And, and this guy comes around the corner and he just starts bawling. And, and he's got in one hand a manila folder filled with like his transcripts. He's been graduating high school and making all this great progress in school. And, and his other hand is this King James Bible. And he drops them both down and he shows me, I've been making progress in here these last couple months and I got my diploma, I'm working on the trade. And, and then he opens his Bible and says, but th this is what God's doing. And he starts turning the pages, looking for verses, and I just see highlighting everywhere. And he said to me, 
that what happened was that he came to our church and he heard the gospel and he got fired up about Jesus. And so every Sunday he'd come and he'd worship and he'd get in community, he'd get in service, he'd share his faith. And, and yet every Monday he'd go out and he'd deal drugs. That's what he knew. And then on Friday, he'd start feeling bad. And on Saturday, he'd feel a little bit worse. And on Sunday, he'd come back to church. He'd confess his sins. He would receive forgiveness. And he would worship the Lord and serve him. And then on Mondays, he'd go back to the streets again. And it was this cycle that he couldn't get out of and just seemed normal to him. And so when the police grabbed him and they put him in prison, he started realizing he had lost everything. And he told me that as he looked at the scriptures, he started to realize like the proverb says, that there's a way that seems right to a man, and in the end it leads to death. That there was a way that he viewed the world before, and he thought that selling drugs is what people do. He thought it was his pathway towards a successful future. He just thought that deep inside that was the reasonable way to live. And then when he lost everything and he looked at the scriptures, he realized that there's a way of living that is unnatural to me, but I have to trust that this brings life because this brought death. And so he said, I've been studying this whole day long and I'm asking God that he would release my old way of thinking and give me a new way of thinking because when I come out, I want to be transformed by the renewal of my mind. I need a new brain to govern me. I need a new spirit to transform me. And as he shared those words with me, I, I realized this is a man who thought he got it. And now he does. He, he sacrificed everything, not on purpose. Lost his relationships, lost his place to live, lost his freedom, lost his stuff, orange jumpsuit, nothing. That's all he has in a Bible. And yet even in his prison cell, he realized that even though everything was taken from him, he had something left he had to throw away and surrender to the Lord. And so he did. And as a soil of his heart became pure and unadulterated and ready to receive the gospel. And the worries of the world were gone. The sinful patterns were gone. And the gospel just started taking root and growing and transforming him like never before. Most of us are not going to go to prison. And yet we need that experience. We need to realize that the soil of our heart needs to be pure and unadulterated. That we can't expect that Jesus is going to grow alongside all of our other desires and wishes and worries and wants. We need to come to the Lord and say, God, I need you to transform my heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Because God, I look back at my life and I see that the gospel has not been growing because there's too much other stuff in there. Hardness and weeds in that soil. God, I need a new heart. I give it all to you. I want you to do whatever you want with my life. For some of us, today is the day to pray that prayer. And maybe you've done the I'm going to accept Jesus thing like a bunch of times. Like, oh, i got to do it again. Right? That's not what we're talking about. This morning, if you realize, you know what? I've been trying to follow, G follow Jesus on and off, but I just, I've never gotten it before. It just keeps withering and dying. It just keeps getting choked out and dying. 
You need to come to the Lord and say, God, take my sins away. Take my old heart away. Give me a new one and let your gospel grow. This morning, as we close in prayer together, let's take the opportunity to do that.